Today is Tuesday, May 10th, and this is William Michael of the Classical Liberal Arts Academy. I'd like to talk about a, a topic today that I've wrestled to really put my finger on the cause of a lack of trust, a lack of confidence that I have in education in this generation. I really don't believe that there's any option that exists that's successful. I don't think that the public schools are effective, obviously. But I also don't see private schools doing any better. They may boast that there are a few percentage points or a few SAT points higher, but that's really ridiculous to compare a private school and a public school and say that we're better by a few points. That's a sign that the private school is not effective. And homeschooling, despite all the hype, is a colossal failure that can only promote itself because of the greater failure that's visible in the schools. Education, or I should say Christian education, in this generation is not working. And we can continue to try to talk about how we can improve schools or how we can improve homeschooling and all this stuff, but I don't think it's ever going to work. There are going to be no vocations. We're not going to see any great achievements. There's not going to be a renewal of Catholic culture because there's a fundamental problem in that Catholic culture which destroys any chance at real education. The fundamental problem in Catholic culture that absolutely destroys education is that parents, Catholic adults, are not practicing the Catholic faith. Catholic adults are not living the life that they're supposed to be living. And because they're not living the life they're supposed to be living, the entire culture is undermined and destroyed. Catholic adults are not living a contemplative Christian life. Catholic adults don't pray every day. Catholic adults don't study the scriptures. Catholic adults in their leisure hours don't take time to learn philosophy and theology and study spiritual books. Catholic adults are doing many of the same things the world is doing, indulging in the same entertainment, wasting time. And because the adults don't have the culture, the mind, the intellect, the spiritual life, and so on, that they're supposed to have, there's no Catholic culture. And what Catholic parents think that they can do to, quote-unquote, restore Catholic culture is tell their children to do it. And so Catholic parents will be zealous about Catholic education as if their children are supposed to live the Christian life and as if their children are supposed to restore and build Catholic culture. And this does not work. You cannot tell your children to do something that you, day by day, choose not to do. And this hypocrisy is the cause of the horrible culture in Catholic schools and even in Catholic homeschooling. The entire school culture is 
characterized by blatant, obvious hypocrisy. And let's just talk about hypocrisy for a minute. We usually complain about hypocrites as people who say one thing and do another. We complain that hypocrites are people who pretend to be religious, but they have secret sins, like a pastor who's caught in some kind of uh, illicit relationship, or a, a person who is working for a non-profit charitable organization who's found to be stealing money for a, a luxurious private life. We call those people hypocrites. But we limit our use of the term hypocrites to certain kinds of hypocrites. But we don't look at the actual description that Jesus himself gives of a hypocrite, which we find in the New Testament. I didn't look this passage up before I started this talk, but I think it's, it's probably in Matthew chapter 23. Because in Matthew chapter 23, that's where Jesus condemns the Pharisees. And I think that's where he talks about hypocrites. But the characteristic of a hypocrite is a person who lays burdens on other people that he himself is not willing to carry. He tells other people to do things that he himself does not do. That's a hypocrite. And Christ condemned hypocrisy. And what I don't think that Catholic parents realize that they are hypocrites. They are the hypocrites in this culture. And they've, they've allowed themselves to be persuaded that they're good Christians because they tell their children to study. They're good Christians because they tell their children to pray. They're good, they're good Christians because they tell their children what they should be interested in, what they should do, what activities they should participate in, that they should say no to the world, that they should ignore worldly distractions, that they should not give in to lusts of their flesh, that they should not seek this and not seek that and not do this. And they think that because they're telling their children what to do and what not to do, that they are the faithful Christians. But the problem with this delusion that's infected Christian adults is they ignore the reality that these are not things that children are supposed to be doing. These are things that Christian adults are supposed to be doing. And so when a Christian parent stands there and tells the children that they should act a certain way or spend their time in a certain way, and the children know that their parents don't act in that way, their parents don't spend their time in that way, their parents don't do these things, these children know that this is a bunch of baloney. And reasonably, understandably, they resist. They resist. And the parents can try to punish the children or try to reward the children artificially, but the children, regardless of what the parents say or offer or threaten, the children know that what their parents are telling them to do is not real because the parents don't do it. The parents don't do these things. They walk in the living room in the evening and see dad sitting there watching television. And yet dad yells at them to not watch television, but to read a book. And even if they want to read a book, dad yells at them that they shouldn't read some 
silly book, but they should read a sober Christian book. But dad is watching television. Dad thinks that he's a good Christian man because he tells his children to read Christian books and he doesn't let his children watch television. But his children know that dad is just a hypocrite. Dad tells other people to do things that he himself doesn't do. Likewise, the kids listen to their mother and their mother is telling them about how they need to obey and they need to pray and they need to focus on God and not be distracted by worldly things. And they watch as their mother runs around all over the place, busy and troubled with a million things. And their mother doesn't do what she tells them to do. Their mother doesn't live the way their mother tells them to live. And they see that their mother is a hypocrite. They know that their mother doesn't really believe the things that she's telling them because she doesn't practice them. When she has free time, she doesn't do the things that she tells her daughters they should do when they have free time. Their mother tells them one thing, but does the opposite in her own life. They know that their mother is a hypocrite and she really doesn't believe the things that she's saying. And so while she tells her children to believe, she shows her children not to believe. While the father tells his children to believe, he shows them not to believe. And the children see that, and the children know that. And as the children get older and stronger and more stubborn, they start to stretch their legs out and push back because they know that they're being told to live a certain kind of life that their parents really don't believe is true. And they think their parents are being jerks for doing that. And they're right. Remember what Jesus said to the people about the Pharisees. He said, Do what they say, or do as they say, but not as they do. Hypocrites normally tell people the right things to do. They normally tell them what they should do, and they, and they say so rightly. He said, do as they say, because what they say is actually right. But he warned the people, do not do as they do, because what they do is wrong. And so just because you say the right things, just because you tell your children to do the right things, that doesn't mean that you are living a good Christian life. Jesus says to your children, do as your parents say, but do not do as they do, because they're hypocrites. The problem with that, humanly speaking, is that your children are not going to do as you say and ignore what you do. Theoretically, that's good moral advice that Jesus gives us. And by the grace of God, there may be a few children here and there who have the virtue and have the grace to overcome the hypocrisy of their parents and actually do as they say, but not as they do. But that's going to be extremely rare. That's going to be extremely rare for children to do as their hypocritical parents say, but not as they do. 
And this is the fundamental problem with Catholic education. The parents are telling the children that they should be interested in things, they should seek things, they should choose things, they should do things that the parents themselves, day by day, show no interest in doing themselves. And the kids aren't stupid. They can see the reality. They may have to watch their mouth because they don't want to get in trouble, but they see the reality and they know that what their parents say, they do not do. They are telling their children to believe and showing their children not to believe. And this is why I believe so many of the effects of Christian education simply don't produce any results. There are no results because we have education all backwards. We've allowed this spirit of hypocrisy to come in and deceive us to think that because we're strong on education, because we believe in Christian education, because we are homeschooling families, that we are true Christian imitators of Christ, but we're not. We're not. We're telling our children to do one thing, but we're not doing those things ourselves. If we want to see what the example looks like, we have to look at Christ, and we have to learn that Christ is the teacher. Christ is the teacher. He actually said, Call no man teacher, for you have one teacher, the Christ. He is the teacher. And let's think about how he teaches. How he teaches. Christ came into the world and took upon himself the sins of the world. He came into the world to save sinners. He came as a savior. He says, the Son of Man comes not to be served by others, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is an example of an active Christian. He takes upon himself the problem and he pours himself into the work of solving that problem and does in fact produce the solution. And he tells us, go and do likewise. Jesus tells us when he wants us to learn, when he wants us to study, when he wants us to pray, he tells us not go study. He doesn't tell us go pray. He doesn't say go read a book. Jesus tells us, come, follow me. Come, follow me. And the reason why is because he is living the Christian life himself. His message to his disciples is not go and do this. His message to his disciples is come and live like me. Come enjoy my way of life. Come and enjoy the benefits of this life. Come and share in the happiness that I enjoy living the life of a wise and holy man. Come, follow me. That's what Christian parents need to be able to say to their children. And what it shows us is that Christian culture is not to be restored by our children. It's to be restored by us adults. We're the ones who should restore Christian culture, not in our children's lives, but in our lives. We should be the ones living the Christian life. We should be the ones studying sacred scripture. We should be the ones praying. We should be the ones reading. We should be the ones 
spending time in contemplation and study. We shouldn't be telling our children to do these things while we don't do them. And what we do here is we simply drum up new excuses. We drum up other excuses. We say, well, you know, I didn't have the opportunity to have a a Catholic education. I didn't have the opportunity to have a classical education. You're different, kids. You have the opportunity to have this education. You have an opportunity I didn't have. So I'm just going to excuse myself and live like a dope. But I want you to understand, kids, that you have the opportunity to have this education. And the kids look at you and say, yeah, right. Yeah, right. You do have the opportunity to have a Catholic education. You do have the opportunity to have a classical education. But you don't. You don't study. You don't spend your time reading. You spend your time goofing around. You spend your time gabbing about nonsense. You, t- you spend your time hanging out at the mall. You spend your time gossiping with the other ladies. You spend your time watching sports on television. You spend your time fishing. You spend your time playing out in the garage, working on all your stuff. You do have the opportunity to have a Catholic education. You do have the opportunity to have a classical education, but you choose not to seek it. And you tell us that we're supposed to seek it because you're a hypocrite. And that's what's happening. But as I said, parents have tried to pretend that because before they were 18 years old or when they were in college, no one provided them with a classical Catholic education, they missed their opportunity. And therefore, because they missed their opportunity to have that education when they were 14 years old or 12 years old or even 20 years old, because they missed that opportunity, oh, well, I guess I'll just have to go play golf this afternoon. Oh, well, I guess I'll just have to go look through the look through the catalog and see what interesting things i can i can find to buy you know i didn't have that opportunity so i'll just i'll just waste my time tonight and read some nonsense book or watch some nonsense movie because uh, i didn't have the opportunity to have that education and it's a bunch of baloney it's a bunch of baloney We adults do have the opportunity to have a Catholic classical education. We do have the opportunity. Right now, today, we have the opportunity to begin studying the things that Christians are supposed to be studying. We have the opportunity right now to have that education. And we choose not to seek it. And we play this game and tell our children, oh, we missed it. Oh, we wanted it so bad. We missed the opportunity. Dang it. But you guys have the opportunity. So I'll be outside. You guys study that grammar lesson. You guys study that classical geometry lesson. I want you guys to read that philosophy lesson. Uh, I'm going to go out to the garage. I'm going to go out and putts around the neighborhood because man I didn't get that education I didn't have the opportunity because oh if I would have if I had that opportunity oh I would have baloney you have the opportunity right now and we all see what you choose to do with your time we all see it you're not fooling anybody and your kids know and that's why they resist That's why they resist. They know that you are telling them to do something that you yourself don't even want to do. And they don't want to do it because they're sinful human beings. They don't want to do it. 
and they know you don't want to do it either. And you're being a jerk telling them to do it when you won't even make yourself do it. That's not practicing the golden rule. You're breaking the most basic law of the Christian life, which is to do unto others what you would have done unto you. The hypocrite doesn't even follow the golden rule. And the children know that. And as they get older, as they get older and they approach adulthood, they become more and more courageous. They become more and more courageous, more and more willing to say, no, I don't want to. You don't, and I don't want to either. And this is why parents get upset and they complain about teenagers, they complain about young adults, they make it like these kids are so terrible and horrible, they, they throw away all of the opportunities that have been provided for them, they despise all the good things that have been given to them, they're not grateful, on and on and on. But that's really not what's going on. That's not what's going on. As the children get older and bigger and stronger and closer to the age where they can pack up and leave, they begin to speak truth to power and the parents don't want to hear it. The parents read it as disobedience and to a degree that's true, but it's also true what the children are saying. It's reasonable what the children are saying. You don't do it, so don't try to make me do it. You don't want to do it, so stop telling me that I should want to do it. You don't do it. Stop talking about how you provide me with all of these opportunities, blah, blah, blah. You have the opportunity, and you don't do it. So stop always nagging me. Stop always criticizing me when you yourself don't do these things. Because I don't want to do them either. I'm not being bad, and if I am bad, then you're also bad. And what children get upset by, they get upset by the hypocrisy. Because they see hypocrisy as being unfair. It's not fair. So what should we do? The answer is very clear. And you know the answer. And you don't want me to say what the answer is. But you already know the answer. Anything you want your children to do, you need to do. Anything you want your children to be, you need to be. Your words to your children should not be, go and do this. Your words to your children should be, come and follow me. Come join me. Jesus went into the world as an adult man and told people, come on, come join me. I'll show you how to be happy. He said to people, come, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. I'll show you the way of peace and rest and happiness. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Jesus lived the life by himself that he wanted his disciples to live. He showed them what that life looks like. They saw all of the benefits that he enjoyed as he lived that life. And they also saw that he was willing to die for that life. Not a life that someone else is supposed to live, but the life that he lived every day. He would die for that life. And he looked in his disciples' eyes and he said to them, come and follow me. Take up your cross and follow me. Go and do likewise. Live like me. 
come and join me as I live this life. That was Jesus's message. And if that can't be the message you give your children, there's no chance. There's no chance, except as I said, by the grace of God, which has nothing to do with you. If God gives them some extraordinary grace to overcome your hypocrisy and choose to be good in spite of your example, that's got nothing to do with you. That's not something you can take credit for. You're going to be judged, as Jesus says, according to the deeds that you have done in the flesh. You're not going to be judged by the decisions your children make. If your children make good choices, that's their reward. That's not your reward any more than your good choices are your parents' reward. You're going to be judged for what you do, not for what you tell others to do. And this is the false Christian culture that we have to deal with and recognize is undermining everything we pretend to try to do in Christian education. Catholic adults need to become studying, praying, contemplative, working Christian adults. Christian adults need to build and create Christian culture. The culture needs to exist among the adults. The culture is not something for children to go and build one day someplace else. The culture should surround the children. They should see the culture every day. They should see the life that their dad lives. They should see that their dad lives with the peace of a wise man. They should see the, the simplicity and the quietness of a temperate, simple life. They should see what their dad does in the evening when he comes home from his necessary worldly business, washes up, and sits down for the evening, they should see that when dad is free, what dad works for is the opportunity to study and pray and meditate. That's the goal of dad's work. He works so that he can pray, and he prays that he may work. And he works that he may share, not for his own comforts, not for his own worldly pleasures, he works so that he may share. And when dad wraps up his work for the night and settles down for the evening, the books open and dad spends his night in study, in prayer, in contemplation. Dad creates the Catholic culture. The children see dad studying the same things he tells them to study. And dad invites the children to study what he's studying. And he can tell them rightly, you have great advantages. You have a head start on me. I didn't start studying this until I was 20 or 30 or 40 or 60. You have the advantage of being able to start these wonderful studies when you're young. And you're going to be able to advance far beyond what I'll ever be able to do that's the advantage that children have. Not that they have the opportunity to study and the parents don't. They have the opportunity to study starting at a younger age. That is their true advantage over their parents. They should see, however, their mother and father studying the things that they tell the children to study. The goal of Christian education should be very simple. It should simply be to initiate our children into the studies that we ourselves pursue throughout our lives. The education of our children, if we read the Catechism, the Catechism says that Christian parenting and education is an apprenticeship in virtue an apprenticeship in virtue. It's not a lecture hall where virtue is explained. 
Aristotle says in the Ethics, we're not studying ethics so, they, so that we can know what is good. We're not studying this just for some kind of theoretical knowledge, some trivia. We're not studying ethics so that we can know what's good and talk about it. We're studying ethics so that we can be good men. That's the purpose of studying ethics. Our children should see that these studies are the source of the peace and the wisdom and the happiness of their parents' adult lives. And the parents should simply be initiating them into those studies and become their study partners as they begin the same studies the parents themselves pursue in all of their leisure hours. Christian education should be an apprenticeship in a contemplative life, an apprenticeship in a devotional life, an apprenticeship in a philosophical life. The topics of the studies should be the topics that are discussed at the dinner table. The topics of the studies should be the the, the subjects that are discussed in the car as as you drive to the store or as you, you go to church. The topics of our studies should be the topics of our conversation. And this isn't just true of Christians and their children. This is true of us as fellow adult Christians. We should be talking about our studies. We should be talking about the Summa Theologica and the Sacred Scriptures. We should be talking about the Psalms that we prayed in the Liturgy of the Hours today. We should be talking about things that we've studied in Latin grammar or passages of Greek that we are working on translating. We should be talking about philosophy and theology, classical mathematics. These are the kinds of things that Catholic adults should be talking about, and the children should look up and see mom and dad talking about the subjects that they themselves are told that they should start studying and give attention to. Imagine what a different world that would be for a child. To be handed a book to study that has dad's notes marked in it, because dad himself studies that book. To be handed a printed lesson that dad himself has a copy of because he studied it. And to be able to go to dad and ask dad questions about a lesson because you know your dad studied the lessons he tells you to study. And if you need help, you can go talk to dad. If you need help with a lesson, you can ask mom because she studies these things. And it doesn't matter if she studied them when she was 12 or when she was 15 or 20. She studied them as an adult when she was in control of her own time. She used her freedom. She used her leisure to pursue this wisdom in classical Catholic studies that she now seeks to share with her children. That's true Catholic culture. Not this fake modern Christian school culture where parents tell their children to study and pretend that study ends when you graduate high school and start working. The hypocrisy is clear to everyone. We're not fooling anyone. And that doesn't, that doesn't include only our children. It also includes our neighbors, our relatives, people we talk to, unbelievers. They know, too, that Christians don't study. They know, too, that Christians don't live like the saints. They know that. They know enough about the life of Jesus or enough about the life of Socrates to know that Christian adults living in America aren't living that life. They know that. And that's why the fake, the fake political action, the fake criticism of the lives of unbelievers, the unbelievers don't take those criticisms seriously because they know that Christians aren't practicing what they preach. They know Christians don't believe 
the stuff that comes out of their mouth? If they did, their lives would be much different. And they're not different. They live in the same developments, they do the same things, wear the same clothes, eat the same food, watch the same shows. They're not different. There's no different culture. And everyone knows that from our children up to our neighbors and co-workers and relatives. They hear us talking, but they know we don't mean the things that we say because we don't live the way we tell others that they should live. There's one last thing that I want to talk about because I've noticed this as my adult children have begun to experience the world and have made decisions and have had the opportunity to see what life is like on the wild side, as it were. And I already see them coming to realize the superiority of the life that I live. My children see me every day at my desk in my home office. They see me studying Latin and Greek and Hebrew. They see me working to publish lessons. They see me not just, not just doing what's necessary for my business, but most of the time studying things that have nothing to do with what any of my students are actually working on. I'm studying natural philosophy. I'm studying metaphysics and, and languages. I'm studying sacred scripture on my own, seeking to answer questions in my own life. They see that. They see me there all day, all night. They see me studying. They know that when I sit at the dinner table, if they start talking about some, some nonsense subject, they know that I look them in the eyes and say, I'm not interested in that. I really don't want to talk about that. They know how I live. They know the focus of my life. And I've, I've tried to imitate St. Dominic because it was said of St. Dominic that he spoke to God or about God. That's what St. Dominic was known for. He was either speaking to God or speaking about God. My kids know that I'm not interested in worldly discussions. I'm not interested in TV shows. I'm not interested in the movies. Not interested in their, in their career activity. I'm not interested in hearing about the details of military life. Not interested. I have my own interests. I'm interested in philosophy. I'm interested in theology. I'm interested in my own sacramental life, my own spiritual life. And I want to focus my attention on these things because, frankly, all of those things are temporal and I really don't want to spend time thinking about them or talking about them. My kids know that. And obviously they don't agree with me in those things. But what they do know is I live a very peaceful life. They know that I live a very peaceful life. And as my children make their own choices, choose their own paths as they enter adulthood, They can disagree with me when we're standing in the house talking about things. But when they're immersed in their lives and they're feeling the stress and the confusion and the discomfort of the choices that they make, they always know in the back of their minds that dad is living a peaceful life, studying philosophy, going to church, praying, studying theology, teaching, always focused on spiritual things, always focused on philosophy studies. Dad lives a simple, peaceful life. My kids have fancy cars. They have successful military careers developing. They're admirable kids. They're beautiful, fit, strong, healthy, active my kids are impressive to look at. And they know that the things that they pursue come at great costs. 
And they know that I'm not interested in those things. I exercise daily. It's no problem, but I don't make a big deal about it. I don't even have my own car because I'm not interested. I don't need to travel anywhere. And if I do need to travel, I simply rent a car. But I don't spend my time taking care of cars or maintaining cars or driving around unnecessarily. I keep my life simple. They know that they may see me running on the road. They may see me out working in the garden. But my life is stable and regular, simple and peaceful. And they're also learning that all of these things that they've pursued in their lives come at great costs. Come at great costs. And little by little, they're beginning to see through the temptations of the world. They're beginning to see through all of these things and see that, yeah, there's a lot of pros to be desirable or to to desire, but there's also a lot of costs for these things. And they're learning to count the costs. They're learning little by little. As they get into their 20s, they're starting to understand the decisions I make, the life that I live, the way that I live, the things that I'm interested in. Little by little, they're starting to see and understand. And when they come home from college or come home for, from some military drill, they seek me out in my office and we have great conversations. And they're learning. Little by little, they're learning. And that's how the Christian life needs to be lived. And I've, I've not by any means done a good job of it. Um, but I can see how it works. I see what affects my children and what doesn't. Talking about things, showing them saint movies, telling them what to do, arguing with them, Those things don't work. Those things don't work. No one listens to words anymore. There's so much talk. There's so much video. There's so much audio. No one listens to talk anymore. No one. People want to see actions. They want to see proof. They want to see conviction. They want to see that somebody takes something so seriously that they actually practice it that they actually sacrifice for it, that they say no to other opportunities. My kids have seen me turn down opportunities to go on television. They've seen me turn down opportunities to enter into partnerships with other people and go places. They see me say no to things and stay focused on the one thing necessary. And I know that that is what impacts them. That's what influences them. All of the talk, and, and I, like I said, I failed when I was younger as a parent because I spent so much time talking and arguing and trying to so-called teach the children instead of realizing that the most important thing for me to do was just live the Christian life, live my own life, do what Jesus told me to do. He said, be perfect. That's the best thing that I can do to lead my children into the Christian life. Just be an ideal Christian. It took me time to learn that because I was wrapped up in this nonsense myself, thinking that I could tell children or students to do things that I myself wasn't practicing. But I've learned that that never works. And the most important thing for me to do is to just live the Christian life and to say to my children, I know you don't understand. I know you can't, you can't understand the things that I do or the decisions that I make. But one day you will. One day, as you get older, as you get more experience, you're going to understand more and more why I live the way I live, why I do the things I do, why I say no to the things I say no to. You're going to understand. And what I'm happy for as a parent is that my children can grow up and as they go through life and as they make mistakes and as they make their own choices, they can go through life with the image in their mind of what the solution is. They can know what the solution is because they see their father enjoying life with that solution. 
In the ancient world, it was the life of the philosopher. In the Christian era, it's been the life of contemplative Christians. And by contemplative, I'm not talking about monks and nuns. I'm talking about Christians who devote their leisure time to study and contemplation. That quiet, peaceable life. I want my children to see that life. I want my children to feel that peace that, that I live with. And as they enter into adult life and as they experience the cares of this life, the distractions of the world, the evils of this world, I want them to know what the solution is and I want them to see the choices and decisions that they need to make so that they can take up their cross and pursue that way of peace, that way of happiness, the way of comfort, of quiet. And they can escape all of those evils whenever they're ready. And that's why we see Jesus not talking so much to children, but to adults and saying, come to me you who are weary and heavy laden, because this world is terrible. Come to me. Learn from me. Learn to live like me, and you will have rest. Until Christian parents learn that living their Catholic life is the only way to effectively disciple their children. Catholic education is going to be stuck in this dead, miserable hypocrisy. And it doesn't work. It doesn't work. The homeschool programs are not going to work. The private schools are not going to work. Your children see what you do. Your children see what you choose. They see how you use your time. When you get a free evening, they see what you do with your free evening. They see what you do with your Sunday afternoons. They see what you really desire and seek in life. And when you turn around and tell them that they should do something else, it's not going to work. Christian adults have to live the Christian life as individual adults and trust that the pursuit of that life will have infinitely more influence on their children than anything that comes out of their mouth in idleness. The fundamental problem with Catholic education in the 21st century is that the adults the children look at every day do not practice what they tell the children to do. They tell the children to believe and they show them not to believe. Now that could come across as very critical. And it is critical. But it's critical because I want to encourage Christians to put an end to this. I've been able to do it in my own adult life. I have 10 children. I have a busy life. I have work to do. I have bills to pay. But I've had to make decisions in my life to sacrifice things and say no to things in order to have that contemplative, peaceful life. And you can too. You may not see the way, but you can. You can. And really... What I always find encouraging about this life is that holiness has more to do with seeking less, seeking fewer things, living simpler. It's not a challenge to try to do more. You don't have to make more money to be holy. Often you need to learn to consume less. And that I find very encouraging. You're not challenged to, to do more, to make more, to earn more. Those things are often not in your control. But the choice to do less, to pay attention to fewer things, to seek fewer things, to have less, 
to live more simply. Those choices are always in your control. And I find that encouraging. You can make these changes in your life. And when you do so, your children will see you actually doing the things that you tell them they need to do in life. They're going to see you doing them. They're going to see you sacrificing things that you enjoy for things that you know are superior. They're going to see you doing it. They're going to see you do it every day. And you're going to be showing them how to live the life. And more importantly, you're going to be showing them that you believe it so sincerely, that you take it so seriously, that you make choices that are painful for it because you desire it truly. They're going to see that. They're going to see what it means to take up your cross and follow Christ. You're not going to have to explain it because they're going to see it. They're going to see you turn down the second plate of ice cream. They're going to see you turn down opportunities to do things with relatives or friends because there are better things to do during that time. They're going to see you not turn on the television when the big game comes on because you're in the midst of a certain lesson in your studies. They're going to see you living the life that you talk to them about and it's going to make it reasonable for them. And hopefully, they're going to see the fruits of that life in your behavior. They're going to see that you're happy. They're going to see that you have peace. They're going to see that you're generous, that you're humble, that you're quiet, that you're friendly, that you're honest and sober. You're going to become more attractive to the people around you because you're actually a good person. You live with charity, with generosity. They're going to see that. They're going to see that when the family goes through difficult times, you stay calm. You solve the problems. You calm everyone down. You encourage everyone to hope and be patient. They're going to see that. They're going to experience your superior mind and how it leads the family to overcome difficulties. They're going to see you as that person. And if you think about the collective effect, the collective influence of these experiences on your children, you'll see where conversion really comes from as far as human influence is concerned. They see a Christian man who overcomes the world. They see a man who's not troubled, who doesn't live in fear, who's not anxious, who enjoys peace, who endures difficult times, who overcomes misfortunes. They're going to see how to do it by simply watching mom and dad. That's how you teach your children to be Christians. And it, it, they're not going to become Christians when they're 16 years old or 18 years old. It may not be until they're 30 years old. But they're going to learn, especially as they get into their own independent adult lives, they're going to learn to see that dad has overcome this world. Dad has the solution for all the problems developing in their lives and they're going to seek out your advice because they know that you don't have the problems that are creeping up in their lives and they're going to listen to your advice because it's sincere and it's proven and you have the fruits that they desire and you have to be patient for that relationship to develop as they become adults and gain experience, even if things are terrible for a time. They may stop going to church completely because they're so anxious and concerned about their career or college studies. They may, they may seek comforts and, and, and pleasure in the world because they simply don't know how to handle the pressure of life, but 
that childishness and youthfulness, those errors and sins of their youth, those things are going to grow old quick. And if they've been raised to know the Lord, if they've been raised by parents who seek the Lord, they're going to get tired of the costs of worldly pleasures real quick, like the prodigal son. And they're going to know the solution. They're going to, they're going to know where they can get answers. And they're going to come to you and seek advice. But you've got to live that life first. And if we don't live that life, we're not raising our children as Christians. Now, having said all that, what I want to invite you to do is join me using the resources in the Classical Liberal Arts Academy because the Classical Liberal Arts Academy is not a school program. It's not a homeschool program. It's not for kids. The Classical Liberal Arts Academy, unlike any other study program or school, contains all of the content to be studied by Christians throughout their entire lives. We simply initiate or introduce children to these studies while they're young. But these studies are to be pursued throughout life. Most of the students that I deal with day by day are adults who are working through these studies themselves, studying philosophy, studying theology, and so on. I'm grading papers that are submitted to me by 20 and 30 and 40-year-old men. Adults are studying in the Classical Liberal Arts Academy. Religious brothers and sisters, priests, are studying in the Classical Liberal Arts Academy, making good use of their leisure time, pursuing studies that are proper for Christians to pursue as adults. And I want, you, I want to invite you to do that. I want to invite you as an adult to take up these studies. Get started at the beginning and just devote whatever leisure time you have. The kids go down to bed at night and you've got an hour or two of time available. Sit down and study. Study Latin or Greek or philosophy. Study sacred scripture. Study the Summa Theologica. Not only do you have access to the, the study materials, but you have access to help. We can talk about your studies. You can ask questions. You can post on forums. You have friends to study with who are working through these studies themselves. And as you begin to, to participate in these studies, you can turn around and invite your children to join you. That's where effective Christian education is going to take place. Not in parents buying K-12 stuff for kids under 18 to study that they themselves have no interest in, but when adults pursuing wisdom provide their children with the opportunity to join them. That's where Christian culture is going to be restored. And I invite you to join us in the Classical Liberal Arts Academy and do that. Get into these studies, make good use of your time, and set a good example for your children, and then introduce them to these studies, and hopefully by having a head start on you, they'll be even better off in 20 years, and you can provide your grandchildren with parents who've been raised in the pursuit of wisdom, and you can be a grandfather who's 28 years ahead of your grandchildren in the study of the classical Catholic curriculum. Think how awesome that would be to be a grandfather who's studying Aristotle and St. Thomas and the scriptures, and you can turn around with your seven and eight-year-old grandchildren and help them get started in a classical Catholic education that they participate in with grandpa. That's Catholic culture, and it's possible I want to invite you to join us in the Classical Liberal Arts Academy. Go to classicalliberalarts.com and learn about what's available. You can study for free if you'd just like to access the lesson content. If you want to participate in assessments and submit written work and things like that for us to discuss, um, it's $25 a month for access to everything.
For a hundred dollars a month, your whole family has access to everything. I really believe that this is where true Christian culture can be restored. And I want to invite you to come check it out and give it a try. If you have any questions, we're available right on the website. You can send any questions you have. Those questions come directly to me. So if there's anything you'd like to ask me, just send, send any questions and, and I'll help you day by day. I look forward to getting to know you and studying with you and hoping that this adult Christian culture discussing the classical liberal arts and philosophy and theology can become a culture that our children grow up and see their parents engaged in. And I'm looking forward to getting started with that. I hope that's a helpful talk. God bless.